1 Samuel chapter number 25, and we're coming in the life of David at a time where he has just had the opportunity to kill Saul, who is hot on his trail. But he says, I will not take these matters into my hands. He said, I'm not going to lift my hand against God's anointed. He said, I'm going to trust God with the burdens of my life. I'm going to trust God with the vengeance over my enemies. How many of you have ever had a breakthrough in your spirit and you said, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to go there. I'm changing. I'm not going to do that anymore. But as soon as you turn the corner, uh, you were tempted to do the very thing that you said, I'm not ever going to do again. How many of God's people have ever been there? Would you say, oh, me, instead of amen? Me Me too. Well, we find David in that situation in 1 Samuel chapter 25. He's dealing and going to deal with a very foolish man named Nabal. And whereas in chapter 24, he says, I'm not going to raise my hand against this foolish King Saul. In chapter 25, he is tempted and he's so angry at a man named Nabal that he gathers 400 of his 600 men and he is going to go and he's going to kill Nabal and every man that is associated with his house. Thankfully, he's met along the way by a very wise woman named Abigail who happens to be Nabal's wife. It's a great story. Tonight's message, I want to preach to you a message. Here's the title. Reacting to the fool, the angry, and the wise. Reacting to the fool, the angry, and the wise. You know, folks, we need to learn to react to the situations in life that we're faced with, with the wisdom that God has promised to give us, reacting. I heard Ruth use this quote in the last couple weeks, and it's uh, stuck in the back of my mind. Life is 10% what happens to you, and 90% how you react to it. The quote comes from Chuck Swindoll. Life is 10% what happens to you, and 90% how you react to it. May God help us to react wisely to the fool, the angry, and the wise. I'd like to read you the story, the first 35 verses of chapter number 25, and we're going to meet in the story Nabal, we're going to meet in the story David, and we're going to meet in the story Abigail. It's a fascinating story, and God uses Abigail in a very special way to protect King David, and God, as he promises to, brings vengeance on the enemies of his people. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter number 25, verse 1, And Samuel died. And all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Maon whose possessions were in Carmel. And the man was very great. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now, the name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a, good, a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings. And he was of the house of Caleb. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. 
And David sent out ten young men. And David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus shall ye say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shearers. Now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not. Neither was there aught missing unto them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh thine hand unto thy servants and to thy son David. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David and ceased. I want to explain to you, talk to you for just a minute about the first nine verses here. First thing we meet up was the fact that Samuel died. This was a great blow to David. David loved the prophet Samuel. Samuel died. And then the Bible changes to a story about this man named Nabal. Now, Nabal was a great man. Nabal had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And Nabal had a great house. He was a man of great wealth. But the Bible says something about Nabal in the story here that we need to pay close attention to. Nabal was... Not a very nice man. He was a churlish man. That word churlish means mean-spirited. He was mean-spirited. And Nabal was married to Abigail, who was a woman of good understanding. So David understands about uh, Nabal. He doesn't know at this moment that Nabal is churlish, that he's a mean, short man, not short in stature, but short in demeanor. He understands something about Nabal. He doesn't know that he's this kind of man, but he knows that Nabal's a great man. He knows that during the time that his shepherds were feeding sheep and uh, grazing sheep in Carmel near his men, he knew that he had taken good care of Nabal's men and Nabal's herds. And so David, in the society in which he lived, a very generous society, a, uh, a, a society where it was normal to help, to encourage, David said, I tell you what, boys, we're going to ask and call in a favor to Nabal. <clears throat> we've guarded his sheep all this time. Uh, we've made a good friend with his workers and his employees. And he's at a season, he's at shearing season. Shearing season was <clears throat> a time when Nabal would have had some extra. Uh, they would have been shearing the sheep and selling the wool. He said, this is a good time. This is a good time to ask Nabal to make a donation, to make a contribution to us and our men. And so David just does that. It was okay. It was acceptable. And he tells his men, I say, he says, you go tell Nabal that we've taken good care of him and uh, we've, ta- we've made friends with his men and it's shearing time and you've got a little extra at this time and you're shearing sheep. And he says, he says just go tell Nabal, ask Nabal, to make a contribution to us because we could use some food and some provision and he's a man of great wealth. So David's men do exactly what he says. Very appropriately, David's men goes and talks to Nabal about a gift and here's how Nabal responds in verse 10. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Listen to Nabal. Nabal uses some very unkind words. Nabal says, who is David? Well, he knew exactly who David was because he also knew who his daddy was. He says, who is David? Who is Jesse? What's he saying? He's saying, who are they to me? 
He says, there's all kinds of people out there that are, uh, have broken away from the king that think they're special. He says, David, in my opinion, is just a traitor. Who's he to me? The Bible says in verse 11, shall I, this is Nabal speaking, shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed from my shearers and give it unto the men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. And David said unto his men, Gird ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up from after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master, and he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt, neither missed we anything. As long as we were conversant with them, when we were in the fields, they were a wall unto us, both by night and day. All the while we were with them, keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do. For evil is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. So the servant of Nabal finds Abigail and says, Abigail, we've got a big problem. David, with his mighty men, have requested of our master Nabal, your husband, the bonehead. I'm pretty sure that's what it said. (laughs) David came and requested of your husband some help, some provision, and boy... Did he ever say the wrong things? He says, I'm certain that David's on his way. David and his men have done nothing but good to us. What are you going to do? So the Bible says in verse 18, Abigail made haste, took 200 loaves and two bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and a hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. And it was so as she rode on the ass that she came down by the covert of the hill. And behold, David and his men came down against her and she met them. Verse 21. The Bible gives us some insight into the mindset of David. How's David feeling? Here's, here's Abigail coming one direction. David's coming the other direction. And the Bible says, I want you to know what's on David's mind. Here it is. David said, surely... In vain have I kept all this that this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him, and he hath requited me evil for good. So and more also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave of all that pertain to him by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. That's an interesting phrase in the last part of verse number 22. Uh, What's that mean? What's that mean? The only ones that could do that and I don't even want to keep saying it, but the only ones that could do what the end of verse 22 says were the men and the boys. The men. He said, I'm going in and I'm going to kill every man among the people of Nabal. The Bible says in verse 23, When Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet And said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me let this iniquity be. And let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience. And hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal. 
For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord whom thou didst sin. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood and from avenging thyself with thine own hand, now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord, let it even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid. For the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. Because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life. With the Lord thy God and the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out as out of the middle of out of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning thee. And shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel. That this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord. Either that thou hast shed blood, causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. Abigail comes to David, and remember, he's mad. He's mad. He's been spouting off some things that really aren't true. He's having a little pity party, and he's having a little fussy fit. How many of you ever had a little fussy fit where you just fuss about something and run your mouth, and then you go back and think, my lands, I shouldn't have said that. Well, that's what David was doing. David, in his heart, he said, I'm telling you what I'm going to do. That low-down Nabal, I'm going to let him have a little piece of his own medicine and a little bit more. But Abigail meets him, and Abigail says, Hey, David, listen, please forgive us. And Abigail says so many things. I don't have the time to deal with it, but the, the words of Abigail to David are fantastic. The words of Abigail to David are fantastic. And she shows us how to deal with an angry person. And she does a fabulous job. And one thing she says to David, she said, David... When God does put you on the throne of Israel, he says, you, she says, you don't want Nabal's blood on your hands. You don't want to have to go back and regret having taken vengeance on somebody like Nabal. She says, he's Nabal. He's just like his name. You know what his name is? Nabal. You know what it means? Fool. I don't know if that's his actual real name or if that's just what everybody had called him because Nabal was such a fool. But she says, look, my husband Nabal's a fool. Don't none of you know, amen that. My husband Nabal's a fool. He's exactly what his name says. He's exactly what his name says. And don't mess up your future over him. That's the words of Abigail. And here's how David responds, verse 32. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. For in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hast hasted and come to meet me. Surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. 
So David received of her hand that which she had brought him and said unto her, Go up in peace to thine house. See, I have hearkened to thy voice and have accepted thy person. We learn from the story how to react to the fool, the angry, and the wise. You see, our life is made up to the way we react to the troubles that we face. We're all going to deal with things that are less than tasteful. We're all going to deal with situations that break our hearts and things that hurt us and things that hurt people that are nearest to us. I don't know about you, but the older I get, I get more aggravated when someone hurts someone close to me than I do when someone hurts me. But irregardless, I must, we must get to the place where we react to the circumstances of life in a way that pleases God and lines up with God's word. When we come to this passage of scripture, we must break it down into characters and see them face to face. And the first person we're going to talk to and talk about is Nabal. Nabal was some kind of fellow. Nabal was very great. As I've thought and prayed and considered the man Nabal, I've just imagined for a minute, how in the world did a man like Nabal ever get to the place where he was great? Have you ever met somebody like this? I'm presuming just a little bit, but I know that this happens in a lot of our lives. You meet a man like Nabal. There was a time, no doubt, in Nabal's life where perhaps he didn't have what he had at this current moment. But Nabal had let his prosperity get to him. He'd let his abilities and his business acumen get to a place where he was no longer willing to listen to anybody. He was no no longer willing to heed advice. And we see in Nabal a great picture of a foolish man. He may have been had great wealth, but he was a great fool. A man with 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. I thought about that for a minute. Bless his heart, he had a lot of work to do. And then I got to thinking about these are sheep that had to be sheared. Can you imagine shearing 3,000 sheep the way they sheared sheep? In the days of David, there were no commercial wall sheep shearing machines. They sheared them with a knife or something along those lines. Can you imagine? When they were sheared sheep, it was a big deal. 3,000 of them. Shearing sheep was something that took a little while and took a lot of labor. Nabal was a great man. He was a fool. The Bible says in verse 25, you see that? Let not my Lord, I pray thee. This is his wife speaking. Regard this man of Belial, even Nabal. For as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw saw not the young men of my Lord whom thou didst send. He says, no, she says Nabal's a fool. Just like his name says. Now, I don't know about you, but it breaks my heart uh, for Nabal to see that Nabal has come to a place in his life where he's most likely picked up a surname, a nickname that represents who he is. He may have been John for all we know, but his name to his peers and his name to his wife and his name to his employees and his name in the community was fool. And I'll just tell you, he may have thought that people were impressed by his great riches and wealth and the fact that he was some kind of big man, but they weren't because behind his back they called him Nabal. The fool. Oh my. What a sad state of affairs. To have all that the world can provide as far as materials go, but have no respect from your wife, from your employees, from your peers, from your community. Nabal was a fool. 
Nabal, the Bible says in verse number 2 that Nabal was a great man, great possession. Verse number 3, Nabal was his name. His wife was Abigail. She was a woman of understanding. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb, Nabal. What a fool. Here's Nabal. We meet Nabal as he's requested by David to provide for David and his men to do something that matters for God. He's, he's asked to make a contribution to the work of the Lord. And Nabal's response is nasty. Look what he says in verse 10. Nabal answers David, sir, who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? We've talked about it. He says, I, I know what David, David's a traitor. And I want you to see the heart of Nabal. Verse number 11, shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shears and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? You see the spirit of Nabal? This man is so consumed with himself that he can't see past the end of his nose. Nabal's a fool. But I want you to see something in this passage of Scripture. How did David respond to Nabal? Really, that's what we need to pay attention to. One, I want you to know, if you have Nabal qualities, and all of us do, by the way, ask God to strip you and rob you and take away the Nabal that is in all of us. May we not get so consumed with ourselves that we won't hear anybody. Oh, there's another verse. Look at this verse. This is amazing. What does uh, Nabal's servants think about Nabal? Look at the Bible says in verse 17. His servant is speaking to Abigail, Nabal's wife, and his servant says of Nabal, his master, he says, he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. You see that? Oh, that's a bad way to be. You get to the place where, no, you won't listen to anybody. Nabal is in bad shape. But how did David respond to Nabal? I want you to know something. Not very good. David's men bring word back to David and says, we talked to Nabal and he called you a traitor. He said he wasn't going to give you anything that he had. And boy, I'm telling you what, David got hot under the collar. Just in the last chapter, he said, you know what? I'm not going to lift my hand against God's anointed. But now Nabal, that churlish piece of trash, has declined our request and Nabal, after we've been so good to him and his men, has messed us over. He says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to let him have it. And David gets 400 of his 600 men. 200 of them stay with the stuff. The other 400 go with David. And they're going to kill every boy, man, that is connected with Nabal. He messes up. As a matter of fact, David is growling. He's blowing off steam while as he's riding, as I imagine, he's riding his horse or riding his camel to uh, take care of Nabal. He's blowing off steam and he's mad. In verse 21, Now in vain have I kept all this fellow that this fellow hath in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him. After all, I've done for that boy. Well, he's mad. He says, I'm going to let them have it. I'm going to kill them all. That's what he says in verse 22. How did David respond? <laughs> Not well. 
Now, how many of you ever had a Nabal in your life? If you've ever had a Nabal in your life, just some bonehead that's giving you a really hard time. How many of you ever had a Nabal in your life? Somebody that's upset you. Somebody that's done you wrong and done you dirty. Somebody's called you names. Somebody that's caused you a lot of grief. How many of you ever dealt with a Nabal? And all God's people said, amen. Choke his gut. I mean, don't say that. You've dealt with an A-ball. Now, I want you to know something. Don't waste your life on A-ball. You don't need to learn. We need to learn how to respond to the fool. We need to learn how to respond to the fool. How to react when we're done wrong. How to react when we're done dirty. How to react when Nabal rises up in our lives. And I'll just tell you something. David was on his way to make a big mess. Folks, if you react in kind to the Nabals in your life, you're no better than Nabal himself. If you react in the same way that Nabal has treated you, then you have not done anything to make that situation better. As a matter of fact, you have fallen into his own trap and into the trap that you have now set for yourself. And David was getting ready to do something awful. David was getting ready to make a big mess. David was getting ready to do something he would regret for the rest of his life because Nabal was a fool. Guess what? Nabal was a fool before he ever met David. And Nabal continued to be a fool after this encounter with David. But David, he was on his way to being just like Nabal had he not reacted correctly to what Nabal had done. We need to learn how to react correctly, wisely, biblically to the fool. Look, don't waste your life on Nabal. Don't give Nabal one ounce of your integrity. Don't give Nabal one second of your opportunity to live for Jesus. Don't let Nabal ruin your life. Nabal is a fool. Number two, Abigail. Wow, what a lady. When Ruth and I first got married, our choir director, his name was uh, Dr. Help me, Dr. Holloway, Earl Holloway. He was quite the guy. He was a blessing. I loved him very much. Earl Holloway was about that tall and about that big. He was the runt of all runts. And he loved music and he loved singing. He had a doctorate degree, an earned doctorate degree in choir music and church music. And he loved music. And he was infatuated with bigger people that could sing. And he just loved me. He thought, wow. We would get in choir practice and he'd be like, he was very proper. Very proper, Earl Holloway. He'd talk like this. Uh, And he said, uh, he said, Cody, son. Tell the choir how much you weigh. <laughs> I said, I weigh 250 pounds, Doc. He's like, oh, that is the size to be a great singer. Oh, he is so big. And there was a girl right beside him, and she was a big girl too. And then she could say, she, he said, tell us how much you weigh. He called her by name. <laughs> that wasn't funny. <laughs> uh, Dr. Hollow was quite the character, and I loved him very much. Uh, he had a toupee. I drove him in New York City one time. And uh, if his wife hears me, she'll, be, she'll kill me. No, she won't care. But uh, he's with the Lord now, and he's, uh, he's, uh, he's wonderful. Dr. Holloway wore a toupee. 
And I was, I was tasked with the job of driving him in New York City. He was too old to be able to ride on the bus. So I had a van. I was driving in New York City. We had these choir trips. And I remember taking him down the street one time, and he was careful not to turn the wrong way. This toupee, and I don't ever, it was the greatest moment. The, he turned the wrong way and didn't have his hand in a place where he could take care of things. And the wind that gushed through the streets of New York City caught that toupee just right, and all of a sudden it went, it stood up and just waved at everybody and laid back down. At any rate, Dr. Holloway was a blessing. Oh, what a guy. He was a blessing. And uh, I'm so thankful that I got to be around him. He was a very old man when I was around him. And uh, Dr. Holloway, when Ruth and I first got married, the first time he saw me after we got married, he said, Cody, beloved, I want to tell you something. I said, yes, sir, Dr. Holloway, what do you want to tell me? He said, son, you married way above yourself. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes, sir, you're right, Dr. Holloway. Yes, I did. Oh, he loved that. Every time he saw me for months after we got married, oh, Cody, you married way above yourself. Anyway, I told you to tell you this. Now, I'll just tell you, Nabal, he married way above himself. Abigail was the queen of the universe, and she was stuck with a bonehead Nabal. Guess what Abigail had to learn? Now, we don't have insight necessarily into this, the exact details, but Abigail had had to learn how to deal and live with a foolish husband. And God blessed her wise, righteous reactions to living with a foolish man. God blessed her. God revenged her. And we'll see in greater detail in a few minutes all that God did to help Abigail in the long run. But Abigail, what a girl, what a person. The Bible says in the very beginning of our chapter, verse number 3, that Abigail was a woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. When the Bible says you're a woman of good understanding and beautiful countenance, that's exactly what it means. Uh, you lay eyes on Abigail, you thought, my lands, she's gorgeous. You talk to her, you think, oh my. Even better yet, she's smart, intelligent, able, and with a good spirit about her. Abigail had developed a great relationship with the employees in her household, so much so that they knew that they could trust her. And when they knew that Nabal had once again stuck his foot in his mouth, the servants went straight to Abigail and said, Abigail, you're going to have to do something. And so she does. Wisely, efficiently, effectively, she prepares a gift, and she intercepts David on his way to destroy her house. And her family. She meets up with David. As I've told you a little while ago, there are so many wonderful words of wisdom from the mouth of Abigail that we don't have time to deal with tonight. Abigail meets David. Abigail humbly addresses a man that's full of anger. You know, there's a lot of wisdom in learning how to deal with angry people. Oh, Abigail, she knew how. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. She humbled herself before David. She took some blame that she didn't necessarily have to take, but she took some blame and she prepared herself and she said and she made sense and logically and rationally explained to David that it would be a terrible thing for David to do what he's getting ready to do. Abigail was a person of great wisdom. She was used of God to ground David with biblical truth and wise counsel. 
Listen, as much as you should determine not to be a Nabal, you should determine to be an Abigail. God used her. As a matter of fact, David responds to Abigail. The Bible says in verse number 32 of our text, David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou, which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with mine own hand. He says, you've protected me from doing the very thing that God gave me victory over with Saul just a chapter ago. Jesus, thank you. You've helped me. Verse 34, For in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hast hasted and come to meet me. Surely there be not, there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. So David received of her hand that which she had brought him and said unto her, Go up in peace to thine house. See, I have hearkened to thy voice and I have accepted thy person. What do we see in this passage of Scripture? We see David doing something that we all need to practice. Here it is. David has gotten so upset over circumstance and a set of events and the actions of a fool that he is determined that I'm going to bust through that door and I'm going to take care of business. But he's intercepted by a wise person. And she says, whoa, David, listen, you shouldn't do what you're about to do. What does David do? He responded incorrectly and with anger towards Nabal. But when he is met with wisdom and counsel and godly advice, what's he do? He takes a few steps back and says, hey, look, you're right. I'm wrong. Thank you. What's well, a great place to be. If you get to the place where you aren't willing to hear from anybody, like Nabal, what did Nabal's servant said? A man cannot speak to him. If you get to that situation where you think you're so smart that nobody can speak to you, by the way, you're not that smart, number one. Number two, if you get that way, you are so full of pride that you won't listen to sound advice and you are getting ready to make some big mistakes. But David does something right. He was hot around the collar and mad and angry and getting ready to do something really dumb. But when someone met him with counsel and wise advice, how did he respond? He said, oh, man, I just about made a big mess. What did he do? He reacted to the wise the right way. He reacted to the fool the right way. And his reacting correctly. And Abigail's reacting correctly produced really, really good fruit. So how many of you wonder what happened to Nabal? Some of you may already know. But I'm so forgetful that sometimes I forget the end of the story. And so it's like fresh every day. I just think it's great. <laughs> I'm so encouraged to, to be reminded again what happened to Nabal and what happened to Abigail and what happened to David. I'll tell you. As a matter of fact, I'll just read it to you. The Bible says in verse 36, Abigail came to Nabal and behold... He held a feast in his house like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. 
Wherefore, she told him nothing, less or more, until the morning light. But it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal. He wasn't drunk anymore. And his wife had told him these things. She says, you'll never guess what I did last night. I stopped David from murdering all of us. The Bible says that he, his wife told him these things, that his heart died within him and he became as a stone. Most people believe that he had a stroke. He'd had a wild night, woke up that morning, got the news of what had just about happened, and his heart became like stone. The Bible says, verse 38, it came to pass about 10 days after that the Lord smote Nabal that he died. Now look, I don't like the fact that Nabal died in his sin, but I want you to know something. You live like a Nabal, you'll die a tragic death. Guess what happened? Abigail wisely dealt with Nabal, and God took care of him. Guess what happened? David had a change of heart and wisely dealt with Nabal, and God took care of Nabal. By the way, God will take care of your Nabals. Don't be praying that he'll kill somebody you don't like. But I can guarantee you this. God's way of taking care of our trouble is far better than our way of taking care of our trouble. And it comes with no consequences and no regrets. God killed Nabal. Look what else happens. Verse 39. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal and hath kept his servant from evil. For the Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. And David sent and communed with Abigail. You got to remember something about Abigail. She's gorgeous. She was sweet. She was wise. And something very tragic had happened to David. You know what David had lost? He had a wife. Had a wife. Remember her name? What was it? Michael? Guess what happened? Well, the Bible tells us in verse 44, Saul had given Michael, his daughter, David's wife, to Faulty, the son of Laish, which was in Galilee. Now, David was in a bad way. David's wife had been given away among all the other things Saul had done to him. And here God reacts, here David reacts wisely. Here David responds correctly. And David communes with Abigail to take her to be his wife. Verse 40, when the servants of David were come to Abigail to Carmel, they spake unto her, saying, David sent us unto thee to take thee to him to wife. And she arose and bowed herself on her face to the earth and said, Behold, let thine handmaid be a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hastened and rose and rode up upon her uh, on an ass with five damsels of hers that went after her. And she went after the messengers and became of David and became his wife. <laughs> well, I mean, they got married. The Bible says David married somebody else too, which we can't recommend, but that's what happened. The Bible says in verse 43, David also took Ahinoam of Jezreel, and they were also both of them his wives. But it's a sweet story of God taking care of his people when they react correctly to the adversities in life. And we need to learn to react to the fool, to the angry, and the wise. Because when you react 
the circumstance of life God's way, you're going to find out God's way is perfect. He knows what he's doing. He'll take care of your Nabal. He'll give you victory. He'll meet the needs and bless the yearnings of your soul when you do things his way. May God help us to react to the fool, the angry, and the wise as we deal with them this week. And we will, but God will prove himself faithful.